situation that a whole lot of people, I had a number of phone calls about people that wasn't going to be here because of sickness. Uh, some of them we know, like Roy and Pat, they are due Friday to go be to go get checked again to see if uh, they're free of the COVID. And of course, I talked with them, and they're not going to be here until they are tested negative, because that will not work. And we've got a number of people that. Uh, We've got a number of people that are out, just traveling, this and that, and uh, some of them I don't know why they're not here. But let's just keep them in prayer, keep the church in prayer that uh, God will bring, us, bring them back. And it's just, uh, you know, it's so important to me that we please God. what God wants done. And there's some here that may not be back. And it's for, it is for a reason, but I'm not going to go into it. And uh, so anyway, uh, just keep the church in prayer that God's will be done. That's the important thing. And, uh, you know, we want to see the church full. And we want to see a bunch of praising going on and giving God glory and giving Him the thanks. And uh, maybe sometimes we go through some of these things to make us realize that uh, God's in charge and sometimes things happen for a reason. And... Uh, like I say, there's some things that uh, just a couple that uh, may not be back. So, but anyway, uh, a lot of it is some of them are afraid of this COVID. And I, you know, being as most of y'all live in this area, I was told and good reliable sources that our neighbor church up here had a big case of COVO in it. Walnut Creek Baptist Church, they said that I think it was here a couple weeks ago, they had 33 in there tested positive. So many people are afraid to get out right now. They don't because of all the stuff going on and some of them, I can't blame them because of their health conditions and different things are protecting themselves. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm under the protection of God. And, uh, but, uh, so I know that, uh, Roy and Pat's daughter, Samantha, she's already tested negative. Her daughter, Amanda, has tested negative. And, uh, they're just kind of more or less taking care of Roy and Pat right now. And Roy and Pat, like I said, are due to, uh, be tested, I think, again Friday and, uh, see how they come out. And, uh. So y'all just keep the, the church in prayer that uh, God let your will be done. And so, but anyway, I last Sunday, I failed to do something. 
I failed to thank the people that come up here and decorated the church for Christmas, and I apologize for that. Sometimes there just gets so much going on, you're looking at this and you're looking at that, and my wife jumped me, so I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and do it this week then. So, but uh, again, thank all of you for your hard work, for the things that you do to help here at the church, and uh, it's very, very much appreciated. It really is. Don't ever think that anything you do is not noticed and it's not appreciated, because it is. And uh, so anyway, this week... Uh, and I think this here is a message we all need and I've entitled this message keep God at the center of your life make God number one in your life put God first in everything it's like when you put God first then everything else works out so I've you know I've used it several times but it, it makes a lot of sense and, and, and putting God first. It says when you put on a coat, if you mess up that first button, they're all messed up from all the way up. But when you get that first button right, then everything else lines up. When we get God right in our life, then everything else lines up. So y'all just remember, God first, us second. But keep God first in your life. And uh, But anyway, I was going to start out, it's uh, in Psalms 37.4. This is going to be my very first verse. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I'm going to get into something in a minute. We kind of take this for granted here when he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And But we're going to look at something in a minute, what God is really saying. But you know, when we first look at this scripture, and, and it seems like David is telling us that if we will love the Lord and maybe give him a little of that extra attention, that he'll give us whatever we want. Well, that's not true. What David is telling us that if, you know, is David, I'm going to ask you a question. Is David telling us? If we will give God some extra attention, that he will reward us with wonderful blessings, or is there something else that David's telling us? Now, we have to remember, David, was the, he was the writer, he was the psalmist, he was the writer of this psalms. This is Psalms 37. Just about everything I'm using today is Psalms 37. There's, right at the end, there's about three different scriptures, but, it, but they line up with Psalms 37. And, uh, but David wrote this Psalms and he wrote it for a very special reason. David wrote this Psalms to the believers, to those who believed and trusted and had their faith in God because there was something going on and we're fixing to see it in just a minute that they was really beginning to kind of doubt God. They was beginning to, God, I don't understand this. Now, we've all been there, haven't we? God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why this is happening. But everything God does, God has a reason for. And we have to remember that. And uh, But in order to understand what David is saying in this verse, there's some things that we need to think about. First of all, 
we need to know the reason that David wrote this Psalms. The reason that David wrote, David didn't just sit down and say, hey, you know, today's a good day. I think I'll just write a Psalms. No, when David wrote a Psalm, it was for a particular reason, about a particular subject, and it's something that God inspired him to write. Remember that every word of the Bible is the inspired word of God. God gave the writers the words to write. They just didn't come out and start writing. God put it in their heart what to write. Because God's got a beautiful, beautiful message in his word for each and every one of us if we'll get into it. Every one of us can get into the Bible and we can find scripture in there that applies to us, applies to our daily needs, what we're going through right now. And uh, when we read this, most of the time, God is telling us what to do about the situation that we're in. And God's just, that's just the way God is. He loves us, and but he wants us to be mindful of his word and what he is telling us to do. Many times we'll just jump off and do everything on our own. We don't ask God. We don't pray about it. Oh, I'm sure this is what God would want. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times we get ourselves in trouble. But David was writing to the believers who were having some trouble understanding why the wicked, those around them, seemed to be prospering and doing good and the righteous were suffering. How many of y'all have had neighbors, friends, or just people you knew did not go to church, did not believe in God, did not serve God, but it seemed like they always had plenty? Seemed like God was blessing. And yet, here you are going to church, loving the Lord, doing what you feel in your heart that he's asking you to do, but yet you're having trouble uh, maybe just meeting some of your bills and some of the things that you're going through. And you say, God, why is this? I love you. I serve you. These people over here, they don't even know you. They don't serve you. They don't go to church. Why are you blessing them? And I'm going through what I'm going through. I think we've all been there. This has happened. We've all known people like this. And, it, and, and something, But that's what David, that David was writing this Psalms to these. They believed in God and everything, but they couldn't understand why the unrighteous were being blessed, and they wasn't. Or they didn't feel like they was being blessed. And many times we're being blessed in a way that we don't understand at the time. But it all works out a little bit later, just a little down the road. And see, the believers thought it should be the exact opposite. That the righteous should be the ones living a life of ease, having all needs met, and the wicked should be the ones who are struggling. But we have to remember something. There's a time coming when each man will receive what they justly deserve. There's a judgment coming. There's a time that judgment will take care of everything that you're going through right here. God, hadn't, he's not overlooking nothing. He's going to remember what these people have done, what they said, what they've done, and uh, 
what you've done. You just keep serving God, believing in God, trusting in God, and your reward is going to be far greater than these people here that are, are, are living unrighteous. Oh, it looks like they're being blessed, but wait till that judgment day comes. But it said, you know, and it said, like I said, we have to remember that each man will one day receive what they justly deserve. And there's a scripture here I want to share with you, and you've all heard it, but it's Galatians 6, 7. And it says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For who, for whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. The bad stuff that a man sows going through this life, when judgment day comes, what's he going to reap? He's going to reap the burning fires of hell. That's, that's going to be his reward for not believing in God, not trusting God, not serving God, not believing in his son Jesus Christ. Their reward is going to be eternity in hell. And we don't stop and think about it. There's day a-coming that they're going. And just think about when you stand before God and you're righteous and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're serving God. What is your reward going to be? Eternity in heaven with God. You don't even have to worry or think about the fires of hell because you're not going to be there. And then here in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, staying kind of in this theme of, of, uh, <clears throat> of uh, what you sow is what you reap deal, it says, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. Those give very little to God in their service, and even in God, in serving God, it says, and he which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. So, the more we love God, the more we serve God, and do it not because of a reward, but because we love God. We want to do things for God. It's not, we, we are not saved because of our works. We don't get to heaven because of our works. But we need to work in order to prosper what God wants to do among people here on earth. They see us working. They see our love. They see we're doing it for the, because we love God. And that's what it's all about. It's not that, 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 that you know we're going to get to heaven because of our works, because we don't. We get to heaven because of God's grace. Of his grace, not, not of what we do. And here, I like this here, because this here is... In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, give of your heart. Give of yourself to God. It said, And it shall be given unto you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's how God wants to bless you. And men shall give unto your bosom. It said, With the same measure that you give with, it shall also be measured back to you. With the measure you give, God's going to give it back. But just think about what he said. I'm going to give, you, I'm going to give it back to you, but it's going to be in a greater measure because it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. When we bless
bless God, God wants to bless us. He wants to give back to us. And then God says, look at what it says uh, concerning the wicked in Psalms 37.2. Now, we're talking about the wicked now. It says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Have you ever seen a, a, a green twig or something that's been broken and cut and all of a sudden in just a few days? It starts wilting. That's what's going to happen to the wicked. It's a time coming when the wicked will be punished by God for their actions that are taking place today. In Galatians 6, 7, what do we say? You reap what you sow. What they are doing now, that's going to be, what the, that's going to be how God judges them. How they are living now, not believing in Christ. Probably most of them don't even believe in God. Well, how come? Where's their blessings coming from? We have an enemy out there going to and fro as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize that Satan can also give you blessings? He's got that power. Remember what he told Jesus, and he could do it? When, when he was uh, tempting Jesus out in the desert, he said, if you will bow before me and worship me, I will give you all that you can see. And he could have done it. He is a God of this world. He has that power. But the thing about it is Jesus already owned it. He didn't have to do all this. He wasn't interested. He was interested in, in doing what his father sent him to do. He wasn't interested in serving it out to the devil. He wasn't interested in receiving all this stuff of the world. He was interested in serving his father to do what God sent him to do. He, what, what did he send him to do? He said, I did not send him into the world to condemn the world, but I sent him into the world to save the world. That was Jesus' job, to come for us to repent, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. He didn't come to be rewarded by good works and good deeds. He came to serve the Father. And, and now look what it says here in Psalms 37.3 about the righteous. Psalms 37, 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his blessings that he is going to bestow upon the people. David is reassuring the believers that if they will trust God and do what is right, God will be faithful to care for them. When we're faithful to God, how many, let me just ask you a question. How many times have you been in need? You said, where is it going to come from? How am I going to meet this bill? How am I going to meet this debt that is coming in? And 
all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there comes some extra money in the mail, and a check, a friend. You get a call on the telephone. Hey, Dale, I've got a job I need for you to do, and I need to do it in a hurry. And I don't care what it costs, but I need it done. But it's God's blessing. He says, I see your need, and I'm going to meet that need. And God meets our needs through others. God blesses others that we may be blessed. God blesses us that we may bless others. Every one of us can be a blessing to somebody that has a need. We can be a blessing to others. And, and uh, here in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> but it says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. In other words, we can go right back to that Luke 6, 38. It says, whenever we do good, God's going to give back to us, press down, shaking together, and run it over. That's how God's going to bless us. David is reassuring the believers that if they will trust God and do what is right, then God will be faithful to take care of them. And David don't have it up there right now, because I just did this a while ago. It's just something that hit me when I was looking at this. See, whenever David whenever David is reassuring us that we will be blessed by God, in Psalms 37, 25, Psalms 37, 25, listen to this. This is God's blessing upon his people. And this is what David is saying. Said, I have been young and now I am old. I have seen the righteous forsaken and his seen I have seen the I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I haven't seen the righteous forsaken. I haven't seen his children. I haven't seen his seed begging for bread because God has supplied their needs. When we put God first, make Him number one, He sees this. We don't have to keep praying and that, oh God, I need this. God knows what we need. He knows when we're struggling. He knows when we need something. And I'm sure that some of us, sometimes things just come, come out of the blue to bless us at a certain time in our life when we had a need. We didn't understand it, but when we got to think about it, we knew where it come from. We knew that it was God because he saw our need and met our need. <clears throat> you know, he says, uh, we need to consider what it means to, what does it really mean to delight yourself in the Lord? What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Well, delight is joy. To be a joyous time. To serve God and have Him in our life, that, that ought to be a joy to us to have God's presence with us. Just a joy to say, my Heavenly Father, His presence is with me always. Did He not say, my child, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always. He never leaves us. His presence never leaves us. Oh, we may leave God at times, but do y'all realize God still got his hand on you? He's still watching over you. He still 
I'm going to bring you back. The devil does not have the power to snatch you away from God. That's what the Word says. He does not have the power to snatch you away from God. God's got a grip on you, and he's not going to let go. There was a story, and it just hit me. There was a little boy and his mother that was walking across this real high bridge over a river. And that mother said, son, get a hold of my hand and hold on to it. The little boy stopped and said, uh-uh. You get a hold of my hand, mama, and hold on to it. She said, well, what would be the difference? She said, because mama, I know you won't let go. See, that's the way God is. We can know and depend that God will not let go. He will not let you slip away from him. Just like that little boy knew, no, Mama, I don't want to hold your hand. You hold mine because I know you won't let go. I might let go, but you won't. See, that's the way God is. God won't let go of you. He loves you too much, just like a mama loves that child. <clears throat> so to delight in the Lord means that our relationship with God is one of the greatest sources of joy and pleasure that's above anything else that we have. When you have the joy and the pleasure of having God in your life, I can do, I, I don't know, there's some days, I wish it was every day, but there are just some days when you can just so feel the presence of God. It's just like, there are certain days, it's like we're walking down the street together and we've got our arms around each other talking. That is one of the most joyous times is when you feel that relationship and you feel that presence in your life that God is right there with you. And you know, He always is. What does the presence of God come from? What is the presence of God? When you accept Jesus Christ, something happens. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. You know what that Holy Spirit is? That is the very Spirit of God Himself living on the inside of you. He's with you always. He's always with you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, matter of fact, it says He is, he, one of the definitions is He is one who comes along beside you to help you, to guide you through this time. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's a comforter. Matter of fact, He's called the comforter. He's to comfort us in times of sorrow, in times of pain, in times of distress, in times when we're going through things. He's there to comfort us, to let us, to, to remind us, hey, you're not going through this by yourself. I'm right here with you. I know what's happening. I know what you're going through. I'm right here. No, God should be the first in our life that everything else should come after him. He should be number one. He should be the first thing. And to delight ourselves in the Lord means to, for us to line up our desires and our wants with what God desires and wants for us. He only wants the best for us. Many times our wants will get us in trouble, but God's never will. What God wants for us is the very best that we can have. So we just need to line up our ways, our thoughts, 
with what God's word says and what he wants for us. Sometimes I think that's one of the best things you can say. Lord, I would like to do this. It's what I'd like to have. But Lord, that your will be done. If it's your will, let's do it. Lord, if it's not, then forget it. That way we know that when it does come, that it was from God and he wanted you to have it. He wants to bless you. We should want the things that God wants for us. He only wants the best for you. He only wants the things that are going to bless you. He only wants the things that are good for you. You know, as I was reading this, there was a little illustration I run across. and They said, a man once said, True delight in God causes us to take our eyes off of what we want in order to want what God wants for us. To take our eyes off of what we want and make sure that's what God wants for us. And then one, there's a verse right under it. Said, Taking delight in, in the Lord means that our hearts truly find peace and fulfillment in Him. Is God living in your heart? Do you have the peace of God in your life? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel safe? Do you know that you know that you know that God's presence is living on the inside of you and he's watching over you and he's meeting every need that you've got? You know, like I said, God knows our needs. He knows what we need. <clears throat> When we truly delight ourselves in the Lord, then we love the one who blesses us more than we love his blessings. Well, we love his blessings, but we need to love the one who blesses us more than what he blesses us with, than the things that he blesses us with. He's going to bless us, but yet our love should first of all be for God. To trust him, to love him, to serve him, to do what he wants done in our life. You know, I'm just about through here. I'm not going to be much longer at all. But said, I want to show you. I told you a while ago there was three verses of Scripture out of Psalms 84. This helps us to describe what it means to delight ourselves in God. Psalms 84, 10. And this is so true. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand years elsewhere else. Better is one day. Now, I've kind of changed mine up a little bit. Y'all probably reading the King James, but I, this here was just a little clearer. Said, better is one day in your courts, God, or better is one day in your presence than a thousand years somewhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd just rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I think this right here says more than these other scriptures, but this here is so important. It's to better, for us to think and feel in our heart. Better is one day 
in the presence of my God than a thousand days anywhere else. Psalms 84.11 No good thing does God withhold from those who walk blameless. God doesn't withhold blessings from us. For those of us who walk in righteousness, who walk blameless, God wants to bless us. And then in Psalms 84.12, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the person who trusts and believes and walks in the ways of God. God blesses you. As I close this message, I'll ask the band to come up. But as I close this message today, I want to remind you again of what the psalmist said. Like I said, this here, just there's just something about this verse, and, and there's times I, I have tears because of what it is saying, and it's what I feel at times. It says, better one day in the presence of God than a thousand days anywhere else. Better that one day in his presence than a thousand days anywhere else I could be. Do you realize what kind of day that is? That's a day of blessing. That's a day of closeness. That's a day of you just feeling the very presence of God, knowing that God loves you, and he wants not only you to be in his presence, he wants to be in your presence. You belong to him. You're his child, and he loves you. That's kind of like going to grandma's house, isn't it? When you go to grandma's house, That is a time of blessing. Grandma wants to do everything she can for that grandbaby. Isn't that right, Sue? Yeah. It's a special time. It's a special time. And it's a very special time when we come into the presence of God. We need to fall on our knees. We need to bow before Him. We need to worship Him and thank Him for everything that he has done. Thank him for our job. Thank him for our families. Thank him for our children. Thank him that his hand is always on you, that you're never, ever not in his presence. He's watching over you constantly. His hand of protection is on you. He puts his hedge of protection around you. He puts his hedge of protection around your children, your grandchildren. He puts a hedge of protection around those he loves. And even Satan knew that he could not penetrate God's hedge of protection. Satan couldn't penetrate God's hedge of protection. In the book of Job, it said all the angels come before God, and Satan came with them. And, 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 and God asked Satan, where have you been? Where are you coming from? He said, I come to I come to and fro walking through the earth. He's looking for someone to devour. And this is, God knew this. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? God knew how righteous and how, how much Job loved him. And, and, and Satan made a comment. He says, you can do what you want to to him, but you cannot take his life. 
What did Satan say? Well, I can't do anything to him. You've got your hedge of protection around him. Satan knows when God's hedge of protection is around someone, he cannot penetrate it. Just know that. Pray every day. God, thank you for your hedge of protection. Thank you I'm walking in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon me. Thank you, Lord, that your presence goes with me wherever I go. God hears those kind of prayers. God's thankful for those prayers. And he wants to bless those who love him, who serve him, who believe in him, and who worship him. So if you're here today, it may be things have been kind of tough. Maybe you've kind of forgot about the presence of the Lord, how much he loves you. If you're here today and you want to come back and get in the presence of God and thank him for everything that he's done, continue and ask him to continue to bless you and your family. We have altars here that you can come down if you want to and kneel and just give God thanks for his love and for all that he's done for you and your family. Or you can sit right there where you're at if you want to give thanks to God, you give thanks to God. But when you give thanks, let it be from the heart. Not from the mind, but from the heart. Thank him from the heart. That's what God wants. It says that he does not look upon the outside of the man. He looks at the heart. The issues of life flow. So if you need to come up here or if you would just like to sit down at your chair or I'm going to be down front if you would like to be anointed with oil, prayed for, I'll be more than happy to do that for you. Whatever you need, God's presence is here to meet that need today. So I'll ask the band to play that after they get through, we will do communion. Today's the first Sunday of the month. I always do communion on the first Sunday of the month. That way we never forget to do it. Communion is given, it's kind of like a memorial giving thanks to Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross for us. So I'll ask the band to play, but if you need to pray down here, if you need to just, if you'd like to have me pray over you and anoint you with oil, I'll be down front. Or if you just need to and you want to just pray where you're sitting and pray from the heart. So, band, if you will do what you're saying.
Jesus Christ.